let me tell you, friends, I have tried to record this podcast a lot of times. We've had a few rough starts. We started off number one with, I have my whole setup, right? Okay. So we have the microphone, but then we have the headphones. Then we have the computer with the garage band. We have them all connected. But I'm also in my closet, which is also my trusty recording studio, and my computer was about to die. So I fed a computer charging cord underneath the door because, of course, my closet doesn't have an outlet. I mean, I wish it did. I wish it was that size, but we're not talking that size. And plugged it in out there, but then my cat was trying to claw it. Anyways, the setup was not actually set up. So we weren't recording, even though I recorded this killer three-minute intro. That was so good. (sighs) Which is okay. We've tried it a few other times after that, but it was just not flowing, you know? And so I'm just prefacing with it now before I even dive into the intro, because maybe it will make the flow just feel a little bit better, you know? So with all of that being said, this is not usually how I start the podcast if you are new here, but if you are new, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you've been here before, I'm so excited to have you back. My name is Mallory Page, and I'm your host and also a registered dietitian. And this podcast, Seems Like Diet Culture, is the place where we talk about wellness trends. We talk about rules around food. We talk about influencers. We talk about diets. We talk about all the things. And I give you my educated opinion and the research out there on if it's legit or not so that you can decide how the heck you want to incorporate these things into your life. And today's topic is one that I think is going to be controversial. I posted a question box on my Instagram probably 15 minutes ago, and in between my little intro recording breaks, I went to go look at it and see what people had put in, and people are popping off in there. And that's kind of what I imagined with an episode similar to this one. And what made me start to think about this episode is, of course, I've thought about this topic a lot, but I have my current round of Live Unrestricted ending next week, and I am currently onboarding and signing up people for this this next round of Live Unrestricted that's about to start. And as I've been doing consult calls and also as I've been finishing conversations in Live Unrestricted, this conversation has actually come up a lot of social media, and social media in two different ways. Social media in terms of the recovery community and people that talk about healing your relationship with food and also social media and the fact of people that maybe struggle with their relationship with food or show their body in a very specific light. And there is so much that goes into this, but I feel like a lot of the time we talk about how toxic certain body standards are. For example, my Kim Kardashian episode, right? We talked about beauty standards and bodies and all of that different stuff. But we don't often talk about the flip side of it, which is the recovery community. And we don't ask ourselves the question as often of, is this helpful? Is this harmful? Should this be something I engage in or should this be something I ignore? What is the right way to look at this for me? Because of course, there's no universal right way. This is different for every single person. But there is going to be a right way for you, at least at this point in time, and even if that's going to change. 
So this episode today is obviously not as much of a research episode. This is going to be a lot more of my opinion, my educated opinion, the experiences of people that are in both of my live unrestricted groups, well, all of my live unrestricted groups over the years that I've done it, and also you guys on social media. Did you just hear my hip crack? That is not what you want to hear on the episode. I had to resituate because when I'm doing these podcast episodes, I'm sitting on the ground. So I, I have to kind of move around sometimes. That is besides the point. But that's what we're going to go into today. And I do want to quickly say, in regards to Live Unrestricted, if you are interested in joining in this next round, there are limited spots left, and I highly suggest you put in your application. It will be linked in the description below where you can put it in. As a reminder, the application does not in any way mean that you need to join the program. We only extend invites to a certain amount of people and only people that are a right fit for the program. So we do a free consult call to ensure that it's a good fit. And if you're not familiar with Live Unrestricted, it is my 16-week group coaching course that transforms your relationship with food, exercise, and body image. Now, I don't have a good transition, so let's just dive into the topic. I want to start off with, of course, defining the recovery community on social media. And I'm talking about this specifically in regards to social media. I'm not talking about the recovery community at large, such as going into NIDA or treatment facilities or something like that. That's a really big conversation. We are talking about the people on social media, which could be YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, Tumblr. Hopefully no one's using Tumblr anymore. Instagram, anything that you use. I was going to say be real, but I honestly don't know how you talk about this stuff on be real. I'm not that familiar with it though. I've tried to do the be real thing and I feel like I always miss the time and I'm also doing the same thing literally every single day. So if you can do that on be real, then of course, please correct me. And what it means to have a recovery account is pretty ambiguous or unclear. And the reason I say that is because there are so many different types of these accounts. So there can be people that are going through recovery, right? And they are in a treatment facility or they just started working with a dietitian or they are, I don't know, anything on that spectrum, right? They're in the midst of their recovery journey and even maybe the worst part of their recovery journey too. I think that's important to add. So they're still really actively restricting. They may be at a place in their body that really isn't suitable for them. And those accounts are definitely different than another tier, which I think is people that are going through recovery, but they are maybe further along in their recovery or they're in the last stages or they're learning little tiny last bits of freedom. Maybe they're at a more appropriate place for them in their body Maybe they've worked through a ton of the habits. They're not in treatment. They're maybe still working with someone, but it's not as pertinent. And they have an account. Then I feel like there are the people that are completely recovered and consider themselves recovered that share stuff that is more about how they recovered or, you know, that that was a part of their life in general. And they're not 
necessarily credentialed or have the ex not the experience but basically the education to talk about it but it's something that they capitalize off of in their account and then last but not least there are practitioners or people that are credentialed and educated speaking about recovery or their recovered life or they sell programs around helping people with this so i would I would put myself in this category. And I do want to make mention, I don't feel like I'm just completely taken out of this conversation. When I'm talking about this, I know that I'm a part of this conversation. I know that I contribute. I would never want to act like I don't or I'm better than this. That's why I want to talk about it. And if you feel like as you listen to this, there are things that you think about and be like, "Mm, you know what? Mallory's account is not very helpful for me right now. That is is more than okay. Of course, I want you to be here if it's helpful, but I totally understand. And I always want you to evaluate everything that you, you know, watch and follow super critically and find what's helpful for you. Now, I will say one other thing. (laughs) This is the part that's a little tricky. I do also feel like there is a category of clinicians or practitioners that share about maybe their programs or maybe just in general, you know, they just have an account and they also are not recovered themselves, which is a very, very sticky, tricky area. So these are all the different classifications that I feel like come up in my mind around ED recovery accounts. But I think the overarching theme is that people are sharing at some point in their recovery either motivation on how to keep going and or keeping themselves accountable or they are sharing tips on how to get through it. So let's first talk about the pros of the recovery community. I think the main thing that comes up for me around this is that for a long time I felt like having an ED or struggling with disordered eating or relationship with food was super taboo. You know, it wasn't something that we really talked about. It wasn't something that people were comfortable with. And it felt very secretive, which obviously if you're familiar with EDs or disordered eating, they're so secretive in nature in themselves. Sorry if you can hear my dog's caller. He just wants to be the star of the show. But anyways, they're so secretive in themselves that it it almost makes it worse because then you may not feel like you have anybody to talk to about it other than your treatment team or if you're doing it on your own, maybe no one and you're not super comfortable with it. And this account gives you a chance to speak to people that are in a similar space and really motivate you to move forward. Now, on the other hand of accounts that maybe are recovered and are sharing tips, how cool is it that people are able to go onto social media and if they don't have money to invest in someone, have all of this education and information at their fingertips that they can use? I mean, even for me, this isn't a program or challenge that I put out specifically saying, oh, this is how you heal your eating disorder or anything, but I have a free challenge, which is three days to more food freedom and loving your body more that has tons of the tools that I utilize with my clients that I hope can be a starting point for anyone that doesn't feel like they can afford to get help or that just wants to dip their toe in trying this recovery space. And and I will have that link down below in the description as well. 
Now, along with that, it really can replace the negativity that you can see on social media, too. I feel like in the past, there was very little talk about body positivity, about food positivity, haze, you know, not having good and bad foods, all of that type of stuff. And you really were just following a lot of these accounts that could further worsen your ED or your struggles with food. At least I'm speaking personally because I know that's what I was doing. And I know that you can still 100% do this, but I think what I'm saying is that in the past, sometimes it can feel like, okay, well, who the heck do I follow on social media if I want to follow some influencers or people that speak about food? And I think now there really is an option of people you can follow that talk about food in a positive way that give that motivation for recovery and that combat this really negative diet culture talk that we see online. So I do think that's both are pros in terms of the content that we see overall. I do think the other pro in general is just having a community. We cannot ever just under undersell. What what is the word that I'm looking for? We cannot. What is the word? Oh God! Now I'm gonna cough. <coughs> Hold on. We're back. What I was gonna say is I just can't emphasize enough how important I think it is to be able to have a community. And I totally acknowledge that there are people that don't have others around them that understand this stuff or that make them feel heard or that make them feel understood. And so feeling like you can follow and interact with other people that get you and can support you is seriously invaluable to have. Whether that be on the practitioner side where you have people that are speaking about nutrition and food and all of that in the same way, or that be more in the recovery side where you are in the midst of recovery and you have other people that are are rooting you on. So I think to me, there are just very evident and obvious things that are big positives, you know, because as a dietitian, anytime I see more conversation around healing your relationship with food, and talking about food in a different way, I feel excited. You know, I want to see more and more people looking at food in a different way. I want to see more awareness around eating disorders and how horrible they can be, especially considering we've had rising eating disorders rates and eating disorders are the number one most deadly mental illness right now. The more awareness we can have around these things, the better, right? And that is something that I want to really just drive home in this prose part of it. It's just so cool to see how much of a shift there is from when even I was going through an eating disorder. Because when I was going through, guys, literally no one was talking about this, I swear. I'm sure there were accounts, but not even close to what it was like today. Honestly, even a lot of dietitians didn't really speak about food in the way they did unless they were a strict eating disorder dietitian, but your normal dietitian was still more diet culture, I feel like, than they are now, and I feel like so many dietitians and even nutritionists and therapists are just really opening their eyes to haze and just really looking at food in a way that's more neutral, which is so, so exciting to me. 
I just remember when I was struggling, oh my gosh, I would just binge watch all of these YouTube videos from Sarah's day on what she was eating and from other creators as well. And I would just look at their workout schedules and their eating schedules. And I would go on Instagram and I would see these bodybuilding routines and CrossFitter workouts. And I would just consume, consume, consume all this content. And it felt like everybody was just saying that that was the right thing to do. Like all of these things were normal. No one in the comments was ever saying anything like, though, this is weird. It just felt like there was no pushback, which is, I feel like something that would never really happen now in the same way as it did back then. So I'm just very grateful for that. But I do also want to talk about the cons. And with everything, I know that some people aren't even going to like that I talk about the cons of a recovery community. But I feel like with every good movement, there are still negatives and people and trends that take it in the wrong direction. And if we don't talk about it, then it can just be this like positive thing that everybody thinks is okay when there may be parts of it that really aren't okay or that don't work for you, you know? And this is how we started doing exactly what we did with sharing about the recovery movement is that we pushed back on all this content that was the mainstream that actually was quite negative for a lot of people. So to go into the cons, I think the biggest thing in terms of cons is the way that people are taking it and how triggering this content can be. And I would say that most of the time, this is true for people that are still in the very beginning and early stages of their recovery, especially those that are wanting to capitalize on that and grow. And I don't mean capitalize like they're trying to do something wrong, but I mean that in the sense that they're really trying to share content and put content out there for people to see and to grow their account. And that's very different than having a private recovery account that you share with a few friends or people that follow you, you know? So when those type of accounts are created, I think what's hard is that inherently the content can be quite triggering because people are often in bodies that are different than where they need to be. The food that they're eating is often different than what they need to be eating. And they can make a lot of mention of how they feel about their body in terms of its size or if it's changing and also about what they're eating. And when you look at that content as someone that is trying to recover, which I should have said in the beginning, I'm really gearing this podcast towards people that either want to learn what's beneficial for someone in their life that's recovering or feels like they're kind of in this space trying to figure out what they want to follow. And so when that person goes to see people that they should follow that can be uplifting in their recovery journey and hold them accountable or help them and they see that, I don't always feel like it creates the response that they're hoping because when you see someone talking about a certain food that maybe for you wasn't even a fear food and they're talking about how they just can't even imagine eating it and they're going to cry and have a breakdown, that can make you start to second guess yourself. 
You know what I mean? And I've also seen people share the calories that they're eating. I've seen people share the weights that they're at. I've seen people share the craziest stuff, like literally the craziest stuff. And to me, it really starts to be questionable in terms of what is this person trying to accomplish? Because if this is just an e-diary, that's one thing and totally your own right. But if this is an account that you're trying to do to help people or, you know, support others in recovery, including yourself, it's kind of like, is that really that helpful? Is that really that supportive? And of course, I want to mention, I know that this is totally everyone's choice. Like, we cannot be responsible for every single person's triggers. And I get that. And yes, of course, it's someone's choice to follow. You can block someone. You can mute someone. But we're just discussing it at large. And discussing something at large, we can point out the things that are helpful and the things that aren't. Now, the second tier that we were talking about of people that are maybe further along in recovery, I feel like they kind of fall into a mix of this category. So what I often see at this stage is that people will share throwback pictures of where they used to be versus where they are now. I've been this person, okay, to call myself out. I've done this before. I didn't do it extensively, but I know there were like maybe one to two pictures I shared on my Instagram at a certain point of a comparison, like a side-by-side to when I was in my my ED and when I wasn't in my ED. And nowadays I would not do that, obviously. Otherwise you guys otherwise you guys would see it on my account. Just because I don't feel like it's helpful to see that, especially in that type of form where you can easily compare for a few reasons. Of course it gives people the idea of, oh, should my recovery look like this? And it can also be triggering in terms of what your pictures look like and where you used to be at. And it can also drive home this I'm not sick enough idea if that person looks at you and thinks, oh, my body doesn't look like them or I wasn't doing the things that they were doing, that kind of stuff. And so I think that's the most challenging thing that comes up typically in that like middle of the way recovery phase. But you can still see a little bit of what happens in the first phase or the first tier category I was talking about, which is the conversation around fear foods and things that you feel like you're struggling to eat, feel things you feel like you want to eat, a lot of talk around body image and times that you're struggling. And I feel like this content is totally dependent on where you're at. Maybe that's helpful for you, especially if you were in the first category and just starting out your recovery. But maybe it's something that's not very helpful for you because you feel like you're further along or you start to compare to other people or any of those type of things. And this really drives me into the last part of the person that is not credentialed sharing their recovery journey, which is the people that are recovered. I think this is really inspiring because it's really great to see someone that is recovered always. That always just makes me so happy. But I think where it gets a little tricky is... This is a very, very sensitive topic and people that are incredibly vulnerable could be following this account. And if you even venture into sharing things that people take very seriously without credentials, it can be a little bit dicey for you and for them. And I'm not saying that you should never share your experience or things that helped you or give out some motivation But at the same time, I have seen people share stuff and it's not helpful and it's not good advice. And just because something works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. And of course, that can be true whether someone is 
credentialed or not, but we still have to be careful. If we're truly doing this to help people, then it's important to ask ourselves, but is this really helpful? You see what I mean? Because most of these recovery accounts say that they do this to help people, and you can't help everyone. Not everyone's going to resonate, but if more times than not you're sharing stuff that may not be helpful, you know, you got to evaluate a little bit. And something else that I see a lot in all of these categories in terms of people that are credentialed or not. Actually, no. Let me go. Let me go into the credentialed one. So this is this is my area, right? This these are people that do the same stuff as me. So if you're listening to this and you think Mallory does all this, then first of all, that's not good. Please let me know. <laughs> but also think more about even other people that you follow too. So I think what's hard about this space is that I do see practitioners that still share really triggering pictures or videos. And I don't just mean, you know, them at different stages of their life. I feel like they share pictures that really they know are not helpful for people to see. And of course, again, it's it's tough because you do want to show people where you came from. But I think that we can describe it in different ways in terms of actions and habits rather than just showing a video, you know, or a picture. So that's one thing that I see, but I also find that there can be, and this can be at any level, but I especially see this in practitioners. Sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of toxic positivity and maybe you feel this way about me. So if you do, that's okay again, but I think because a lot of people that are in the recovery space as practitioners are trying to sell a program, it can be very toxically positive or just, I shouldn't even say toxic. I just feel like overly positive because they don't want people to know about the negatives of the journey. They want people to think, okay, well, if I just do their program, it's all going to work out. And of course it will all work out, but there will be the ups and downs. You know, there are times where it's really hard and there are times where it's really good and you want to be aspirational. You want to not discourage people on your account, but at the same time, it's so hard because you also want to be realistic. And I think striking that balance is tough and you can go onto someone's account, like a practitioner, maybe even mine, and you see it and you think, oh my gosh, you know, it's just like they're they're so positive and, and they got there and now everything is easy. And that's not true, right? Things get hard. I mean, I am a totally recovered person, but that doesn't mean there's other areas in my life that aren't hard, right? Or that there's never been a moment on my recovery or recovered journey that was challenging. There totally are. I even talk about this honestly, and a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but there are still times where I will have body image days that are are tough, right? Where I won't feel 100%, but I just no longer fall back into habits where I change my food or change my exercise because of that. But there's a lot of reasons why on a recovery account or a recovered account as a practitioner, you may not share that, right? You don't want to undermine people because if you live in a smaller body, you don't want them to think, oh, I should worry about my body because they have bad body image days. You don't want to make recovery seem unattainable or like it wouldn't be enjoyable. 
You want to spread a message that feels positive and helpful, but you also want to be realistic. And I do think that that can be hard to follow too sometimes, just depending on your headspace, right? And all of this really is dependent on your headspace and what's working for you. So just remember that even as I'm going through all of this. Now, the practitioner that is not actually recovered, that is acting like they're recovered or trying to work with people, I this is completely wrong. I just do not feel like there's anything more wrong than this. It makes me literally so upset. I, I can't even, like, it makes the hairs on my arm stand up. It's so awful to me. This is why I waited so long into when I was recovered to work with people. And even when I started working with people, I wasn't necessarily specializing in disordered eating because I just wanted to help people in general, healing their relationship with food, learning how to intuitively eat, all of that good stuff. And I just naturally fell into the disordered eating because I was so passionate about it. And because every single time I had those clients, I was like, I am not triggered at all. I can talk about any of these things. This does not draw me backwards. I feel so confident in helping these people. But if you feel like there are even little tiny, teeny tiny bits of you that are still struggling with food, still struggling with exercise, and still struggling with disordered eating, you can't do it. You just can't. Or even if you have really extreme body image problems. When I was speaking about my body image problems, I would say that comes up maybe once a month or when I'm on my period or when I'm just having a day where I don't feel my best. We all have body image problems at some point in our life, whether you've struggled with disordered eating or not. But to still be struggling with food, to still need to work on food freedom or over-exercising, that is a completely different story. Completely different. And I don't want to be rude about it, but I just think it's so irresponsible for people that truly either don't know how to work with people like this that are sharing about it or advertising their services and or they're really not in a place to be doing it and they're sharing about it or advertising their services. And I have seen so many people get caught in this trap or are are sucked in by people that act like they're healing recovery and they're not. And I could go on a whole rant about this. I rant about this in like every live unrestricted group because it always comes up. But I don't know if you guys have seen the like fix your metabolism girls that say you can recover from your ED by exercising and eating more. It is absolute BS. The closest I've ever come to cussing on this freaking podcast is talking about this because these people are lying to you. They are still struggling themselves and their method of recovery is wrong. It is absolutely not something that you should do. It is a waste of your money. It is a waste of your time. It is literally taking your ED and it is transferring to it, it to another place or your disordered eating or your struggles with food. I could not be more passionate about the fact that the the way that people like that position themselves into the recovery community and sell this idea that you can redistribute how your body looks and still recover is so sickeningly wrong that it makes me literally nauseous to my stomach. The fact that these people hashtag recovery and ED recovery and heal your relationship with food and intuitive eating and food freedom in their post is just, I can't. I mean, I think you guys already know as how I'm talking about it, but oh my gosh, it's so awful. And so I see people like that. And then I also see people that do this when they're sharing their recovery that are very, very, very evidently still struggling because 
<laughs> I see their what I eat in the days that they post on their TikTok. And it's them having very restrictive amounts of food, very few food groups, talking about their still restrictive thoughts, and yet sharing about how people should recover and how they should do what they do. And it's just, it's really sad. And really, that is the toxic, toxic piece. And I don't think anyone ever should be following those people, ever. Totally avoid. Now, everything else that we talked about is more of something that you have to evaluate for you and think, where am I at? What's helpful for me? Is this truly helpful or is this, you know, not helpful? Is this something that I'm recognizing maybe I I don't want to see? And all of these are very, very different things. So, I want to go next into some of your all's opinions on this. And as I alluded to, there are a lot of different opinions which I love from you guys because I think it's great to be able to share your perspectives, but I'm going to try and pick and choose some out of a lot of them. So, Elle says, overall love the community, community, but lots of toxic positivity. I feel like we talked about that a little bit in terms of how it can be, especially with people that are practitioners. And even sometimes it can feel a little unrealistic what people share. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. I just think it depends on your personality. So I know for me personally, I don't resonate a lot with the whole, you know, just tell yourself you love yourself or think about all that your body does for you, all that type of stuff. And I am in no way saying that's bad. It just didn't really resonate with me. So if you find practitioners that do that and it doesn't really work well for you, that's totally okay. It's just important to acknowledge that. Macy says, fell into the strong, not skinny stuff, made me fall in love with weightlifting, but now I can't weightlift due to multiple injuries. And now I'm having an unhealthy relationship with exercise again. Totally. We talk about Strong Not Skinny on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, I will link it down below. So Lila says, I need to see realistic stuff like how eating more can equal more lethargy for me. And I think that's really interesting and something that I feel like we spoke about a tiny bit. Sorry, I had to shut the door. You're just getting all the sounds today. Um, Otis is actually on my lap purring right now too because <laughs> I had to let him in. Um, But yeah, I think that it's hard because sometimes you need something that you're not seeing and sometimes people don't share that because of course we want to promote that eating more makes you feel better. And I will say that this is the type of stuff that I talk about in my group coaching course because putting something out on the internet, it can be so misconstrued and you're trying to think of what will have the most positive impact on people, what will be the most helpful and not taken the wrong way. But in my group coaching program, we get into the nitty gritty of these things and we talk about everything unfiltered to really make you feel understood and even a feeling like that. Amanda says, happy people share their stories that many don't have the credentials to offer the advice. Sophia says, it can be incredibly helpful or extremely toxic, depends on the person. Some people definitely should not be sharing what they're eating because it's still restrictive or they're in quasi. Others aren't as bad, but still in general, I feel like it can promote a lot of comparison. People recover in different ways, so In that way, the ED recovery community online can be toxic because it promotes comparison and may showcase under eating behaviors. This is so true, and this is something that I haven't talked about yet in this podcast, but one of the most problematic things that I see in the recovery community, and this spans all the categories that we talked about, is the level of comparison, feeling like you're not doing good enough because your recovery 
is not matching someone else. Maybe you feel like you gained too much weight. Maybe you feel like you didn't gain enough weight. Maybe you feel like you're taking too long or you're, it was too short, which has you second guessing yourself or you're craving different foods or whatever it is. But the truth is there is no such thing as a right or wrong recovery. Everybody's is just really different and you should not be hard on yourself for having one that looks really different than someone else's. And if you ever find yourself comparing to someone, even if that person is really positive and you really like as in positive as in you like them a lot. Ouch, Otis. He's clawing me. Love that for him. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to follow them, you know? Lila, another Lila, says, I don't know. It can be borderline unhealthy sometimes, in my opinion. Laurel says, I think it goes either way. Some accounts provide a sense of community and can be helpful, but others can be harmful because IDs, EDs are so competitive and can make me feel like I'm recovering wrong. 100%. Livia says, performative. Like they post them eating quote unquote bad to justify it and convince themselves it's okay. Okay, another important thing. It is really hard and sad to see when people post foods, but you can tell that they're having to justify it so much, even maybe in the name of social media. And this is sad because, of course, we want people to have complete freedom outside of this. And, of course, in the beginning of an eating disorder, you may have to work to justify some of the things you're doing and really hype yourself up. But as someone gets further along in their recovery or they're recovered, you shouldn't see them using that type of rhetoric where it's, oh, well, it's okay that I had these foods because X, because I went on vacation, because I was out with friends, because this, that, that, or the other. You want them to feel okay with truly having that freedom you know, no matter what, that's the most important thing. So I could not agree with that more. Someone else said they've taken Tumblr th inspiration from the 10, um, 2010, rebranded it as healthy. If you're not a size, very small sizes, I'm not going to say them. You have to prove that you're that girl or healthy as an aesthetic. I do see sometimes that no matter the platform, the almost Tumblr or Thinspo aesthetic, especially in the wake of everything we've been talking about lately and the podcast I made two weeks ago about is quote-unquote skinny trending again, we have to be really vigilant about, you know, are we actually recovering or is this a Thinspo type of situation that really isn't helpful? And also... Just to go off of that, I really think it is so important to mention that following people of all different body types is so critical. I know that something a lot of people in my program struggle with is feeling like they see so many people that recover into a certain type of body, and that is really hard, and I will call out the fact that I have this privilege of recovering into a body that is socially acceptable, and I would never try to take that away or diminish the the intensity of what that can feel like for people. And this is why I really urge you to follow people in all different types of bodies, of all races, of all backgrounds, of all experiences, because it can feel really hard to relate when you see someone and you think, okay, well they're recovering into this body. I don't feel like I'm ever going to look like that. And that's super frustrating. 
And I will say that something for me that really just changed my perspective, my view on myself, everything was expanding my feed because it just showed me how much beauty I could see in all types of other people versus in where I went to college. I felt like I saw a lot of the same type of people, same with where I grew up, and at least being able to make my feed something where every single different type of person could be celebrated was really impactful for me. So that is a huge tip that I would have. And if you guys want me to share some creators, I definitely can. I think I have a list on a highlight on Instagram, but if I don't, let me know. Someone else said, before and after photos are triggering to people, especially with restrictive EDs. Another person said, trigger warnings don't work and it's annoying that so many people use them in the case of a photo. Kira said, I always think the page is dedicated to ED recovery. What happens when you're recovered? It's to stop identifying to stop identifying as a person with an ED. This is another thing that I really think is interesting because I as someone that's been on social media and I will admit again, I did talk about my recovery more. This was a long time ago when I very very first started my current account in college. But I would say that it was not the focus of my account. The focus of my account was more recipes, and that's a whole nother conversation that is for another day. But when you think about that, I think it can be pretty tough because those ED recovery accounts can really build up in followers quickly, which is great. But then I do feel like it's a very challenging transition. I know even with the little amount that I really talked about my ED, and I don't know if you'd say little or medium or what you would say, but I still felt this obligation to tell everybody. And even after I was recovered, I felt like I had to wait and really make sure I was recovered, even though I knew months and months before that I was. And then I felt like I had to strip this type of identity and not sharing about it anymore. And I didn't know what to share. And it was a really weird, uncomfortable process for me, especially, I don't know what I would have done if I wasn't a, a dietitian and I wouldn't have been able to transition into helping people with recovery. So I kind of had that natural transition, but it's very hard for people that have these accounts. And I will say, that just as much as I've seen an ED become a part of someone's identity, which it almost always is, even disordered eating or struggles with food, I've also actually seen people have recovery become a part of their identity and have that hold them back from ever fully being recovered. And I know everyone has different standpoints or points. Yeah, stand, stances. Standpoints is not a word. Stances on the whole recovered versus fully recovery or in recovery or in recovery intermission or, you know, everyone that looks at it a different way, but regardless, you want to feel like you can have full recovery. And sometimes having these type of accounts can make you want to hold on or can keep you in those habits because you want to be able to post content. You want to be able to continue to engage and focus on the recovery. It gives you something to do. And I've seen that both in the case of someone that has a social media account and someone that doesn't. So very important to think about that. I'll just read a few more, but Sid says, it's only good for some people. It depends on your triggers and where you're at in recovery, which I feel like is a good place to end because this could not be more true. This whole conversation really comes down to where are you at in your recovery? What type of person are you? What makes you feel good right now? And 
only you will really be able to determine that. I do help my clients determine this a lot. And even in Live Unrestricted, we have specific exercises that we go through to help to figure out what on your feet is making you feel good, what's not making you feel good, including accounts that are recovery focused. And I should have said this too, and I'm bummed that I'm just mentioning it now, but I guess it's a good way to round out the podcast. This is true for podcasts as well. I actually see a lot of people struggle significantly because they're either only listening to health podcasts or wellness podcasts and or they only listen to recovery podcasts. And such an important part of developing outside of your ED is finding those things that you enjoy, not even related to the ED or health or any of that type of stuff. So this spans the the podcast community as well. But I really hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation. And as I said, this is not a definitive, this is what it is. This is just my educated opinions, my experiences, y'all's experiences. And if you have thoughts that you want to share with me, please let me know because I'm always happy to talk through these things. But I also really urge you as your step and your tip for this week to look through all of your platforms. Look through YouTube, look through TikTok, look through Instagram, look through Pinterest, look through your podcasts. Am I missing something? And really evaluate what of those are making you feel good. And if you feel like you've cleansed every single one, which that's what I would recommend, cleanse them all. Get rid of all the ones that don't make you feel good, even if you like them, or even if it's your friend and you just have to mute them or whatever it is, then think, What can I add in as a follow on any of these accounts or on podcasts or YouTube that is completely separate than healing my relationship with food, disordered eating, whatever it is, body positivity, any of that stuff? What is something that you're interested outside of this community that you can add in and have as another focus? And that is such a game changer. As always... I would love to hear your thoughts and if you would be willing to leave a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen, it would mean the absolute world to me. Whether you just give it one of the stars on Spotify or if you would be willing to take the time to give an Apple review, it means more than I can even explain. If you want to apply to Live Unrestricted, again, I will have that link in the description and my social media is also always linked there as well think that's it for today, guys. Love you so much, and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye!